you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. The Around the NFL Podcast. Keeps their families wanting more. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis. Joined in a virtual room filled with some heroes. Mark Sessler, Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? <laughs> I wish I was leaving wanting more. It's like, hey, my wife says, why don't you go work a little more? I, I'm leaving them wanting more just to confirm. I, 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 can, I can tell you that's true. Is there more of an about face? And, you, you know, you can see it right with this podcast. Mark used to talk about your young son saying, is daddy ever coming home? Now it's, is daddy ever leaving home? <laughs> The answer is no. <laughs> right. We could see less of daddy and be thrilled with that, I think, would be the answer. So, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a tough time. I saw you celebrating the Dodgers World Series win uh, with the kids outside. They're jumping on board with some fireworks. That's good. Let your kids pick a, pick a winner for once. Way to go. That was a, that was a, good, that was a teacher, good evening. So It's good. Like, if there's one thing to do, teach your children early about the fun associated with illegal fireworks celebrations. <laughs> right. During a drought in high wind conditions. Um, yeah, this is weird. It's weird. You know, life is weird. It's almost like if you took if you took your home situation as youngest fathers of children and then you combine your entire work life and then put it in a, a house that's the size of a postage, postage stamp, it could lead to maybe madness right on the eve of Halloween here. So we're just we're fighting through it, though. We did it. The opposite We're almost there. Functional. We're halfway through the regular season. Almost. Um, and yes, this is the Week 8 preview program. You could check out, of course, the recap of Thursday Night Football, Falcons and Panthers. But this will give us a full rundown of everything to come on Sunday and Monday. And as everyone knows, we do it draft style and picking first. Yes, that's right. I'm excited about this one. I was going to take this game no matter what. 
It's Steelers-Ravens. I mean, this is the best rivalry in the league, unless you count the Seahawks 49ers, and we get that this week too. So it's a great week for rivalries, and it's a great week to kind of find out how different this Ravens team is. I, I love watching Lamar every week. You guys know that, so I'm happy to have this with the first pick. But I have to admit, they're not the same Ravens this year. And I think this is the game we kind of find out, like, how different are they? Because I don't think you can run on the Steelers. I know the Ravens will try to run, and they'll run fairly well, and Lamar will get his scrambles. But I think this is a game Lamar has got to throw the ball over the top because that's how you beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. Their secondary has had some problems this year. Their cornerbacks not playing nearly as well. And their run defense is just so good. And the Ravens rush rushing offense hasn't been nearly the same that it's got to be Lamar to the outside it's got to be what we heard in the offseason in terms of speed in terms of uh the outside throws to Marquise Brown Miles Boykin I think's had a little juice Devin DuVernay there's been flashes they just haven't thrown the ball that much and I think this is the week if you're gonna beat the Steelers it's gonna take a big time effort from Lamar as a thrower I you know I'm with you Greg because I I want to be more impressed with Baltimore's offense in general general than I have. Um, I mean, they've beaten Cleveland, a bad Houston team, Washington, Cincy, and Philly, and they got handled by the Chiefs. Now, I will look at that Eagles game and say the one thing that is not a disappointment on any level is Baltimore's defense. I mean, Pittsburgh and Baltimore are like second and third in DVOA on defense, and it looks like it. Baltimore adds Yannick Ngakwe to the mix. Thank you. We'll have that player too. Why not add him to the <laughs> rotation here alongside Clayus Campbell? I mean, Pittsburgh's offense has a lot of pick-your-poison scenario weapons to it. But Baltimore has thumped teams left and right on defense. So to me, this is a classic old-school AFC North matchup. We know these teams, but I think this is the best Steelers team that we've had in a long time. I really Mm. do. I think that they are so ultra-powerful. Mike Tomlin is operating like coach of the year right now. So, you know, this is is classic stuff. And for me... (laughs) I'm going to do something special right here. Wait a second. Whoa. I'm going to do something special right here. And I didn't even tell our producers about it. I'm locking up the Steelers, and it's going to be in Baltimore. Whoa. I think they're going to take care of business. I'm telling you why. This Steelers team is a Super Bowl team and waiting. All right. Well, that's very interesting. On the road, is that's a gutsy lock. I like it, Mark. And the Steelers, geez, I'm trying to make sense of last week's game because I want to just put a blanket over it and say – Listen, they went down to Nashville and beat an undefeated team, but they were very lucky uh, for that not to be an Mm. infamous loss uh, for the Steelers. They were up 20 points in the third quarter, and they needed bad Steven Gaskowski to show up to save the day and and push that uh, field goal wide right. Otherwise, they're playing for overtime most likely. And, you know, we've talked about Ben Roethlisberger on this podcast a lot. I think this is a big game for him too because um, I was – I was against you, Greg, on your uh, Big Breeze comparisons. And I still think that Roethlisberger, obviously a huge upgrade over what they had last year. uh, But it's time for him to maybe step up his game. He should have been able to put away the Titans last week. I Mm. I didn't like the way their offense played in the second half last week. So this is a tough assignment for him, though. And the Ngakwe acquisition by the Ravens is a big one because now you could bookend him with Matthew Judon. And now they're going to be able to potentially get – to a guy like Roethlisberger without having to blitz, which is the Baltimore way to get to passers. And we know Big Ben goes down for a lot of sacks. 
Right. I, I want to explain my Big Breeze thing. So I've been calling it. It's a stylistic thing. I'm saying Big Breeze like like good Breeze. 2019, 18, 17 Breeze. They're even earlier. But you watched that game last week, Dan. What were the drives that were successful? It was like 15 plays, 63 yards. 11 plays, 72 yards. Those sort of short passes where you're counting on your receivers to make plays after the catch. And they've got the right receivers for it. And so I think it's smart. He's just not, they're just not the bombs away Steelers offense that they were, but they've been pretty effective. You're right, though. This is by far their toughest test, but I like a quick passing offense against this Ravens pass rush. Like, that's how you got to beat them. And Mark mentioned how, you know, the, the uh, Ravens haven't played anyone any good defense. The Steelers really haven't either, including last week. Titans aren't a great defense. So this is easily the, the Steelers offense's uh, biggest test this year. Let's, let's pick this game. Obviously, we know where Mark is. What do you got, Greg? I took the Steelers, too, on the old uh, game picks. Check, check them out. Not a lot of respect mm-hmm. for the Ravens. You know, this – I don't know. This one feels well, like maybe it is even against the top defense. Maybe Lamar Jackson reminds people why he's a, a special player and, and gets Hollywood Brown involved with some deep strikes. I like the Ravens holding court at home and handing the Steelers their first loss. It's going to be fun. All right. The draft turns to Mark Sessler coming off. Oh, I mean, that lock. I'm still uh, in a state of shock. I'm excited. Locking up the Ravens. Who would have seen it? Okay, here we go. Or the Steelers. Well, I actually locked up the Steelers Whoa, there, Dan. Let's I'm, not try see, to change the narrative here. Go ahead. You're up. All right, so I love this second pick because I don't see a big drop-off from the first game. And, and Greg, you mentioned this rivalry weekend here in Week 8, and look at this, San Francisco and the Seattle Seahawks. That's where I'm going. You know how I do this thing. I'm about 207 pages in to a pamphlet I'm writing about Kyle Shanahan, who I think is the best coach in the league in coaching why, around why not injuries. Why just make the pages bigger? Why a pamphlet? If it's going to be that that's long, a book. make it a At book. At this point, that's a book. It's over I mean, 200. That's a novel. Make it easier for everybody. Like a pamphlet feels like you know, like edgy and kind of political and disturbing. And that's where I, that's what I feel about Kyle Shanahan. He is all those things. Highly edgy. And I just, I, I love this, the way that he handles injuries. I mean, they have been battered. I mean, right up there with the Eagles. And yet you watch them last week. He's got a, a third string running back, Jeff Wilson, running for a hundred plus yards. Jeff Wilson goes out and hey, sorry, New England, we're going to bring undrafted Jamichael Hasty and he's going to run for 6.3 yards <laughs> per carry. This offense, and I mean, it's not a secret, their passing game is it originates off the run game. I think that Kyle Shanahan, he's been doing this for years, his father did it, makes life as easy as possible on the quarterback. I just think that this offense, no matter who's in there, he maximizes guys. And I mean, what coach in the league does a better job of using his fullback than Kyle Kyle Shanahan and Kyle Juszczyk. I don't know if it's because they have the same name. There's some affinity there. That's it. But I love every little part of this Niners offense. And I, you know, they, they have a lot, Debo Samuel's out at this point. He's not looking, he's not healthy, but they find a way. And I think that they are literally the better team in Seattle. They just have not been healthy. I really do. I think that they're, they're four and three and they're in last place in the best division in football. That's, but this story, this story is not yet over for San Mark, Francisco. That is a bit of an about face because you have been leading the Seahawks are unstoppable train. And it sounds like now you're saying the Niners are a better team. That's pretty, that's pretty. I just uh, think we talk. haven't seen the Niners at full power. I mean, the Niners have been very banged up. You put all their parts in place and they've got a better defense than Seattle and they can do a lot with their offense. I think Mark's right. 
You know, the 49ers' best right now is better than the Seahawks' best. The, the 49ers are one of only two teams in the NFL that are top eight in DVOA on offense and defense. It's the Bucks and it's the 49ers. The fact they've done it with all these injuries, yes, it's a credit to Kyle Shanahan, but they're, they're also like a really top-end team, whereas the Seahawks, Every week they have to sweat out that defense. And they, they've matched up pretty well with the 49ers in the past, but it's like they're letting Russ, Russ cook, and that's great. And I, and I know, like, the, the fans love it, but I, I, if I was a Seahawks fan, I'd be like, man, I wish they let Russ cook when we had a defense because this is the worst Pete Carroll defense we've ever seen. And, it's, and I know they bring in Carlos Dunlop. He's not going to be available this week. That is a good risk-reward scenario. Uh, but with Jamal Adams, you know, still up in the air and the secondary, it just doesn't make sense. They're the worst passing uh, rush team in the league in terms of getting pressure. And if you can't pressure Garoppolo, even without Debo Samuel, I- I'm with you, Mark. I think the 49ers will be able to move the ball. Will the 49ers be able to stop Seattle? Probably not. And that's why it should be such a fun game. Yeah. How you I- like that, Dan? Well, no, I mean, I've been saying this from the start. You may remember while everybody was singing praises and hosannas about the Seahawks. I was like, but they have the worst defense. And the only way that's going to continue, they're not just going to go 16 and 0 because everyone loves the way Russell Wilson is playing for their fantasy teams. No, you need to actually play balanced football. And what we saw on Sunday night, which I thought was interesting, was in that loss to the Cardinals, when Russell Wilson actually did finally get some pressure and his play dropped just a little bit with the interceptions and uh, unable to move the ball at the end of the fourth quarter in overtime. You see what happens when Seattle doesn't have that safety net of, of uh, let Russ cook and they blew a 34-24 lead and then they lost in overtime. So, yes, yeah, Seattle has major issues uh, that was covered up by a 5-0 and start. And the Niners, yeah, I, I, I'm with you guys. I think when it comes down to it with, with Shanahan and the, the scheme is just so sound. I like that it doesn't really matter – what their player situation is with the injuries. It's like, we know, for instance, against the Patriots, we are going to run the football. We are going to run the football. We're going to use play action. They did it on 81% of their snaps, which is the most by any team this season. And it's still going to work, even if Jeff Wilson is running the ball. So, yeah. Uh, do I think they win in Seattle, though? I don't know. I don't mm. know. That's It's a big test because they are, despite everything I just said and you guys just said, you know, Nick Bosa's not coming back. You know, Debo Samuel, we right. said, is out. This team is banged up, and that I think this is a coin flip game. I really do. It is, and I mean, I think, I think the, the concept of home field advantage this season is, is very different than usual. I mean, I don't like the idea of going into a hostile environment in a normal year, but it's like you're staring at a bunch of empty seats, so... This is mm. this is not the same situation for San Francisco. It's like, oh yeah, it's hard to take an air take a, a airplane trip north. That's the that's the biggest problem there. Also, the <laughs> I've not, got yes, one is, final subplot for you on yes. this game. It's it's uh, Fred Warner, my guy, who I think is a defensive player of the year candidate, coming in and taking the middle linebacker belt from Bobby Wagner. Bobby Wagner's had it three or four years. He's a future Hall of Famer. Warner shows up. He, he swipes it from Wagner. All right, that's that's fair. And I, since we're loving the Niners this week, my favorite soundbite uh, from Week Eight. Let's play it back right now, courtesy of the great George Kittle. Yeah, I mean, football is a violent sport, and if you don't kind of go to that dark place to be violent um, and be physical, uh, you're you're not going to last very long. And uh, Coach Shanahan always talks about you know find the dark place. The longer I've been here, and the more Kyle talks about it, the more you see there's everybody kind of goes to that dark place. And like I said, it's a violent game. And it's just, it's fun to be a part of a team 
with a bunch of psychopaths because I fit in really well here. <laughs> how do you how do you not like George Kittle and how can you not root for the Niners? Let's get a W, San Francisco. We move on. What are, what, a are, what are we doing here? What, AFC what West matchup. And to what, do that, we welcome in a on? very special guest what, right now. Why? What is going on here? Who is that? What, what, <laughs> what did I get? <laughs> Wait I a lost? <laughs> did, I, did I get lost? What, what am I doing in here? What is, this is not move the sticks. What is it's, this? It's Daniel Jeremiah's. What music. is this? What just happened? <laughs> I thought I mean, we were taking from here. A move I, the look, sticks. I told you guys, Dan, Dan. Dan, we talked about this. I said I would agree to come on. You guys asked me this every week. I said I will agree to come on, but not with Greg. If Greg's mm. going to be on, I'm not coming on. I'll come on with Mark. I'll come on with Wes. I'll come on with any other cast of characters you have. Yeah. But I, I here I get here, and there's Greg. Yeah, I mean, I feel right. lied to. So let's set the table here. If people are not aware, and we want to get to Chargers, Broncos, uh, where, of course, Move the Sticks does the color analysis with Matt Money. Uh, every uh, game for Chargers Radio. But there is an issue here between our podcast and the Move the Sticks podcast. There always has been. But things have really heated up on Twitter in uh, recent days. Uh, Let's check out a tweet. This one was sent out uh, by Greg. It's awkward that Move the Sticks will announce every game of Herbert's Hall of Fame career knowing he ranked Ross Blacklock, Andrew Thomas, and 17 others ahead of Justin Herbert, the rookie sensation for the Chargers, to which uh, Move the Sticks replies, oh boy, I'm the happiest guy in the world to be wrong about this one. Also, to celebrate how well he's playing, I bought you a little something. Greg, I mean, that is, that's... A little out of wow. bounds. So it, it got personal, Greg. And uh, But, you know, in, in another way, you kind of took a shot at him personally as well. I mean, how is well, that well, out of bounds? This is what happened. How is that out of bounds? Well, this is I'll what take happened. it. This is what happened. This is what this is what happened, Dan. Okay? Yeah. Let's let's go to the to the back east where you guys will be familiar with this analogy. I got Van Gundied, okay? Me and Dan are involved in a big fight, and then here comes Greg grabbing onto my leg <laughs> And tries to Van Gundy me. You know, I'm like, I wasn't expecting that. I, I'm thinking this is going to be like a, a Charles Oakley type fight. And now I've got a, I've got a little pest grabbing onto my Wait a second. Wait, there. Greg has way better hair than Jeff Van Gundy, in fairness. Yeah, please. That's true. That I, and I'm like, a, I'm like an inch taller than Van Gundy. DJ, I noticed with your response and with your little slippers thing, it's like no one tried to argue the point um, that I made in my in my tweet. That you are going to be calling no. this guy an all-time legend. And you're like, nope, I would have taken Blacklock. I mean, that's me. I'm the NFL draft expert. First of I'm all, taking Blacklock over Herbert. First of all, Greg has become what all of us detest. He's a headline reader. So he reads the headline. He looks at the rankings. He doesn't read the reports. Let me go back. Let me go back and read you the report here. This is the Justin Herbert report, okay? Uh, Herbert has exceptional size, mobility, and arm strength. Quick feet in his setup, bounces on his toes once he gets to the top of his drop. His motion can be a little robotic at times, but the ball comes out with tight and high RPMs. Has a big arm, but his placement is a little inconsistent. His front side will fly open at times, impacting his accuracy. That can be corrected. He has shown the ability to touch up the ball underneath, make some impressive throws on the run. He's a good runner, uh, builds speed. He's effective on his own reads. Biggest area he needs to improve is the lack of anticipation. He waits too long to cut it loose. According to Everett Oregon, uh, work ethic, character off the charts. And here it is, Greg. Overall, Herbert has some special physical tools, but okay. needs to play with less caution and learn to embrace an attacking mentality. So right. that's exactly what Justin Herbert has done. That was the correction that needed to be made. And hats off to Justin. 
hats off to the Chargers because he's taken what he was at Oregon and he's he's improved on it. Let so me jump. You You're just reading headlines. Let me jump in and I'll play devil's advocate. I don't want to get in the middle of this. Oh, this is going to be tough for you to play devil's but, advocate here. But, it's a stretch, <laughs> stretch roll. But DJ, the fact that you ranked him a little further back in the pack, and you know you weren't alone. There were a lot of people that had some doubts, minor doubts. If you thought those were easily correctable flaws or things that could be corrected immediately, he would have been near the top of the class. You have to be right. surprised, especially getting the front row view, to be how incredible he's been right oh. out of the gate. How did this happen? Well, first of all, like I, I was, I was uh, in responding to Greg. I said it made me the happiest person in the world because trust me. When you're, when you're uh, assigned to a team and you work for a team to call 16 games a year, you want to have somebody be fun to watch. And this, this team, uh, with Tyrod Taylor, was going to be very conservative, play low-scoring games, kind of rely on your defense. That's fine, but this has turned into one of the more dynamic and explosive offenses, uh, courtesy of Justin Herbert. And the, thing, the lessons that you learn, and this is you know on the scouting side of things, you're going to make these types of mistakes every single year. So you try and figure out what can you learn from it. And one of the things I thought of was when you have a uh, when you're playing for a coach that's either a defensive-minded college coach or an offensive line head coach, which Mario Cristobal was. Sometimes you can tend to try and rein in some of your quarterback play. You don't want turnovers. You're going to be able to run the ball, play great defense. So you can, for lack of a better phrase, you can take a little bit of their stinger away. Like just be mm. a little bit more cautious, a little more conservative. Mm. It worked. I mean, and that's no shot at Mario Cristobal. I mean, the guy won the Pac-12 and won the Rose Bowl. It's a formula that works. But I made the note to myself, next time when you see a guy that's that big, athletic, uh, smart, tough, competitive, while maybe some of the gaps aren't filled in, let's, you know, just be smart about it and say, okay, I think once he gets the opportunity, he'll be able to figure those things out. So that's, that's the lesson that I learned there on, on that evaluation. DJ, my one concern, because, you know, scouting issues aside, um, and, you know, we, you're, you're talking to three bloggers that don't watch a lot of college football, so I'm going to take your word on these things. But, you know, <laughs> are you going to – now you're sitting on a, a gold mine here uh, with a quarterback who looks like maybe the next Dan version is of Tom cackling. Brady. Stop cackling, I mean, are you going to turn into, like, Scott Zolak on these broadcasts as, as this young man's career Ooh. blossoms into total stardom? I'm a Never little concerned about Zolak. you. Please. <laughs> oh man, I, I saw I saw Zolak uh, when the Chargers lost to the Patriots in the playoffs a couple years ago, um, and it was a freezing game if you remember, freezing in, in, in Foxborough. And so me and Money like come walking out, and normally the the radio guys, it's a, kind of a cool little fraternity. I've, I've learned this over the last couple of years, but everybody's just real kind to one another. We, we do appearances on each other's pregame shows, and um, you get to know a lot of these guys, especially inside the division. You see them over and over again. We passed Zolak, and I think it was right before the game, like in the hallway. And it was straight game face, not going to acknowledge us, straight ahead, we do not exist. And it was everything that I imagined it would be ahead of time. It was fantastic. No one has told Zolak that he's not on the Patriots anymore. All right. Look, uh, I want to I hit the uh, – uh, I want to – you know, actually, I want to close up this feud, hopefully, between Rosenthal mm. and Jeremiah. But what, since we're talking this game, Chargers, Broncos, we – Let's talk, touch on the Broncos real quick here, DJ. And Drew Locke, uh, another guy that a lot of high hopes uh, for him this season. It hasn't, it hasn't panned out. Are you worried about him watching his tape so far this season? Well, I mean, you still see some of those glimpses. Um, he just hasn't been consistent. Um, so I, I'm still hopeful there. I, I kind of I, – I like that 40-start rule, right? If we can get 40 starts, that's – you know, two and a half years worth of starts before we get a feel for a quarterback. So I don't think we know enough about Drew Locke yet. 
But I, I'll tell you guys that the most surprising thing that I saw looking at the Broncos this week, you know who's actually playing pretty good is Garrett Bowles. How about he's that? amazing. I mean, he had been mm. he's played really well. I mean, and for all the heat that he's taken, um, and them not picking up his fifth year option, all those things. If you look, I watch the cut up of all their you know ten plus runs, ten plus yard runs, and if they're either running left behind him or they're running right and cutting back and getting to him, he's he's played really well. Mm. Last week was an embarrassment for the Broncos, but man, they have a lot of juice on that offense. I, I'm still not giving up. I'm fascinated by this game because both these teams are better than their two and four record. I think, and and whoever yeah. wins, I think, is kind of a sneaky playoff contender because the the Broncos have a lot of juice they're really well coached on defense last week was an embarrassment and DJ knows it's nothing personal I'm just saying you know when it comes to Herbert what Herbert is thinking every time he's in one of those little calls with DJ you know they they talk to the radio guys (laughs) he's thinking this guy had me below Andrew Thomas I think Andrew Thomas just gave up another sack actually and this guy has me ranked behind him and I, have, I do have a little problem of people jumping in our mentions. These little DJ fanboys at our network, like, you know, Giardi and oh, Brandon you come got in yours. here. They come you in got, here after he does the slippers, the slippers comment, and they're like, oh, howitzer, score one for DJ. <laughs> I mean, are you kidding me? I came in with a machine gun. He's giving me free slippers. Those things look comfy. I'm fine with that. Give me a break. Uh, I love, Greg I love remembers that. every he can slight lose just one. to he can uh, warn you around. That is very on brand. I, tell you what, I love it. You're I, I, opening up the war. You're saying bring more of these people at me. I enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, that, this is this is what I've learned. You know what I've learned? This is why my feud with Dan has been a good training ground for this, Greg. Because I made a, a Twitter mistake with Dan, which is I replied with my comeback. So I replied. I didn't retweet. So when mm. you look at it, you're like, man, Dan Dan hits me, and look at all the look at all the retweets and all the mentions and all the buzz. And then I reply and I get no juice because if they don't follow me and Dan, they're not even seeing it. So now I've tried to use the power of the platform and just bring the full force of the army at you with a retweet. So I'm you, learning. You've got to get those Twitter twelve or thirteen move the sticks along. listeners on your side. You know, that's that's your army. Wow! Wow! wow. I'm just I glad can bring it at Cessler's you too, DJ. I'm not, a, I just, I'm not always nice. <laughs> I'm just glad to see that Sessler jumped in here because I was wondering, having been on the line while you guys were getting ready to go on the air. And, and watching him trying to figure out something that probably uh, all four of my children could have figured out in 30 seconds how to make his microphone work. I'm just happy well, Mark was able to join us for this conversation. It was I'm a little dicey a, I, there I, for a minute. Yeah, I'm dealing with a technical <laughs> apocalypse in my house, and, and times are tough. And I, I, you know, it's the it's green button, Mark. It's that. the green button. The red button turns you off. The green button is what turns you on. That's how, that's how this whole thing works. Well, thank all right. You. Well, okay. DJ, you've, you've acquitted yourself quite well here. Um, good luck. I heard you're starting up a podcast. See, uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, and thank you for joining the Around the NFL podcast, which also is on television. This is great. I, and I, I don't, I, I, I don't speak German, so I just hope all your fans see me there and nice to see you. <laughs> all, right. all right, get rid of him. Yes, it is time now for Road to Victory, presented by the United States Marine Corps. I am up, and uh, I'll tell you what, Mark, this used to be easier when the Browns stunk. You know, we would just leave the draft. Mm. We'd always leave it to you, Ooh. and you'd go grab them in the back of the round. But now when I look at the slate, I can't just overlook the best games of the week because Cleveland's involved. And I wouldn't expect you to do the same thing with the Jets, but we certainly don't have to worry about that right now. <laughs> so I am selecting Raiders at Browns, and we can sort it out personally, Mark, off air. 
I just like this game a lot. The Raiders are very kind of hard team to figure out. This is the week where no one cares about them or thinks that they have any chance to compete uh, because they did not play uh, well in week eight and a lopsided loss. But you know what? It was right before the bye that they went to Arrowhead and spanked the Chiefs. So there you go. So you don't know which version of the Raiders you get. The Browns, man, they're even tougher to figure out. And uh, no Odell Beckham, obviously, this week or for the rest of the season after he tore his ACL. Uh, but just a huge, huge game for Baker Mayfield. I mean, it was mm-hmm. his performance against Cincinnati. And yes, it is the Bengals, and you have to keep that in mind. But his ability to, you know, when he started 0 for 5 with a pick, it was all set up for this to be the week where the coach, Stefanski, is getting tons of questions about Case Keenum. Instead, he completes about 400 passes in a row and throws five touchdowns, and nobody's talking that way. So the Browns feel like they're in a good spot. They're at home. The Raiders are a team that's hot and cold. Uh, but both these teams are kind of hard to judge right now who's going to show up when the uh, kickoff comes. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, it, it seems like we say this every week about Cleveland, but this to me reads like a shootout. And, uh, you know, Cleveland's defense, I think they're still in search of themselves in many ways. But I will say, watching every one of their games closely, that their best players on defense have impacted them tremendously. I don't think that they're anywhere close to their record without the combination of Miles Garrett, Ronnie Harrison, and Denzel Ward. Ronnie Harrison, who they traded for uh, earlier in the year. You look at the two Bengals games, Miles Garrett's strip sacks of Joe Burrow completely opened the door to those wins. Last week, Miles Garrett strip sacks Joe Burrow. It's recovered by Ronnie Harrison. Leads to a Browns field goal. The Browns win that game by three. Week two, Garrett strip sacks Burrow at the Bengals' one-yard line. It's recovered. The Browns score a touchdown. They win that game by four points. These shootouts do not come out positively for Cleveland unless these players on defense are creating these turnovers. They don't do a lot well as a unit, but they do do that. And I would point to the Colts game also when Ronnie Harrison picked off Phillip Rivers on a 47-yard pick six. They won that game by nine, and the, and the Colts had the ball at the end. So, you know, for a unit that is, you know, maligned and verbally kind of taken apart by critics, understandably, these guys and Miles Garrett, you know, you mentioned a defensive player of the year candidate and Fred Warner – Miles Garrett right now is the leader in the clubhouse for that award because mm. of these game-changing plays. Mm. I'd, I'd still go Aaron Donald, but those would be my top two. I, I love this game because there's a lot about this season that feels familiar, and these two teams are different. I think one of these teams is going to make the playoffs. I think they both have a good chance, and so this sets up as a big one. You're right, Mark. It sets up as a shootout, uh, but can Baker Mayfield keep up in a shootout again? Uh, A lot of last week's throws were his first read, well-called plays. He gets to it. I think that could be there this week again because he's playing a bad Raiders defense. The Browns have played a lot of bad defenses, and so I think he can keep up in a shootout. But it got me thinking. I got a comp for you. I don't know if you're going to like it, Mark Sessler. You know who Baker Mayfield reminds me of? The more and more I watch him, he's a little bit of like a a Kirk Cousins with a stronger arm. Like if everything's okay and, and set up for him, it's there, and he can run an offense, but it's a little bit of a system guy. He's not going to make too many plays off structure, and if the pressure gets there, it can go a little like haywire, and there's these little brain-like just blips. But against a bad defense like this week, he puts up a lot of numbers. 
Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, the, the, the comp works because, you know, this, the same coach operating Kirk Cousins last year, and you see a lot of the same stuff. I thought you were going to go like Eric Hippel or something. So I am <laughs> not that disappointed by the comp, but I think he's got a little bit more to offer in the yes. kind of flair and the exciting plays that I don't see from Kirk Cousins. But, you know, last week, you're right, Dan, was, this was an important game for Baker Mayfield because had that gone south, the questions would have been ceaseless about bringing in Case but, Keenum. And here's the thing, because, yeah, I think like a lot of people were all on the fence with Baker. This Maybe this is a shootout, but maybe this is another game where Baker doesn't play well, and then all that criticism and that questioning comes back. He's just kind of a hard dude to figure out. Maybe he's definitely a better actor in commercials than Kirk Cousins. That, that I got. I think <laughs> he has true. more charisma, that's for sure. He's got, he's got more charisma. You know who's um, getting me more excited watching him, though, is Derek Carr lately. Like, I kind of trust Look the Raiders you. just as much in a shootout. He's playing more aggressive. They threw more deep balls over the last two weeks than they did in the first four combined. Like, they are embracing what they are, which is an offensive team, and they're getting a lot healthier. They should get Trent Brown this back this week. They're getting Brian Edwards back. There's a lot of guys on injured reserve who might come back for the Raiders. And, and so I think it's going to be tough for that Browns pass rush uh, to get to Derek Carr. Uh, Miles Garrett needs a little help from those other guys who are, who are making a lot of yeah. money, too. Ogan Joby. Uh, and, and Olivier Vernon. All right. That was Road to Victory presented by the United States Marine Corps. And what a fine game that will be. I'm happy about the placement in the draft there, Mark. Again, that was not personal. You are now up uh, after I've taken the Browns off the board. So how do you react to that? Yeah, I'm slightly annoyed <laughs> with what you did there, but we can, you know, like you said, we can sort that out off the air, not on NFL Network. Um, I, I'm going to go, there is, there are a lot of good games this week. This is probably one of the better weeks out there. I'm going to go Rams at Dolphins. I mean, why not sign up for a chance to see Tua in his first NFL start? And I know, I know that they love the idea of giving him the bye week to prepare, but you've got Aaron Donald on the other side. I want to ask you, though, I think it's time that we go and do something a little different and play one of our favorite games Ooh. from our podcast. All right, Ooh. and that is what's more likely. What's more likely? And I'm going to pose okay. a question to you guys. Okay, what's more likely? All right, for this Dolphins team, the three and three Dolphins turn ultra frisky behind the electric Tua and snatch the seventh wild card spot, making Greg Rosenthal's loins tingle as he observes their rise on Game Pass, or a schedule <laughs> packed with the NFC West, the Chargers, the Chiefs. The Raiders reveals that Miami is still basically an average outfit in need of another big season before they start to think about mm. January. I like that you're kind of catching that I'm digging this Dolphins team. Again, uh, something that's different. I, I think it's more likely that they, they got to wait a year and uh, they're closer to 8-8. Eight and Because eight. to me, 8-8 eight and eight with this roster and two at quarterback is a victory. And the AFC is so deep that they're going to need to win games like this. But this is our first chance to see if Tua is an upgrade. I don't think enough conversation about the change to, from Ryan Fitzpatrick recognize the possibility that this offense is going to look very different, short passes, using Tua's athleticism, and that there's a chance in the long run without turnovers – that actually it's better for this Dolphins team. I'm not saying that's likely to happen, but I think there is absolutely a chance. We've seen uh, Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow, how ready for the NFL they are. Now we get to start seeing if Tua is ready as well. Yeah, I'm going to just like go optimistic because it would be more fun that it puts them in the race more. They're looking for the Herbert lift, and that is capital H, right. capital F. And I think it's a worthy dice roll uh, for Brian Flores and the Dolphins. It's like the type of move that, 
lowers their floor but raises their ceiling. And if and if he struggles, well, just stick with him. That's it. the only mistake you can make is if you get in your head too much as an organization and say, oh, oh Tua's lost three starts in a row. He's not passing very well. Let's get Fitzmagic back in there to say, no, 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 no. Once you make this move, you stay with this move, and hopefully Tua hits the ground running. You get the Herbert lift because if you do, this goes from a team that's just, like you said, on the periphery of the playoff race to a genuinely fun team to watch. And guess what? Listen, the Patriots are a mess. The Bills, I know they finally got exactly. off the, the losing uh, schneid against the Jets, but they didn't play very well in that game either. This division is a little more mm-hmm. wide open uh, than it's been in many years. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I love that Brian Flores basically said that he told Tua, just be yourself. Don't worry about being something else. Just be who you are. And this is an electric player. And, you know, Dolphins fans, sneaky, have gone decades post-Dan Marino with an absolute, you know, dearth of non-talent at quarterback. And, I mean, you had a nice little run there for a bit with Ryan Tannehill, but that was the old average milk toast Ryan Tannehill. Tua is someone that could completely change this franchise for years and years to come and change the life of Brian Flores and every assistant coach on that team if this thing works out. So I cannot wait to see how this goes. Except for that outside linebackers coach. I don't think he has any business being in the league. I don't know who that is. I don't know if that's a position. Um, All right. I'll I'll throw out a what's more likely. I'd this. What's more likely the Rams offense with Sean McVay at the controls improves and gets back to being uh, seen as one of the NFC's uh, best units in that regard? Or this is now a defensive team and the Rams win because Aaron Donald – uh, he leads the way, and they win a bunch of games, twenty-four to seventeen. It, it, it's more likely that the offense uh, leads the way because I think they kind of are already. I mean, they're they're ranked higher in offense than defense and DVOA. I think people are missing that there's not a lot of flash on this offense. There's a lot of efficiency. Daryl Henderson is one of the best young running backs in the league right now. They are blowing holes open for him. They're a team that pay, plays at a slow play uh, pace, rather, so their yards aren't that big. But in terms of yards per rush, in terms of yards per pass, Jared Goff is near the top. Daryl Henderson's near the top. They don't make a ton of mistakes. They're a little boring. I'll, I'll give you that. Like, it's not as fun uh, as those old Rams team. But to me, they're they're deadly efficient. And, yeah, they got the superstars on defense. It's a nice combo. And I, I don't know if they win this week. I think it's a coin flip game. But I'm going to give the win to the Rams and that, that the offense does play pretty well. That's a great answer, Greg. And you backed it up with some data. You showed the receipts, as they say. I guess it is. I'm thinking back. Remember – in the good old days where people gathered and people went to stadiums and and there were no masks. <laughs> and I believe it was a Rams-Vikings Thursday night game. It was like peak yes. Jared Goff, Sean McVay, or I think this might have been early in the 2018 season. And he's just bombing away and Brandon Cooks is streaking down for 70 yards for touchdowns. I guess I miss that version of the Rams offense, but there's, yeah, I guess you could say they are more efficient. And as long as they're winning, this is fine. Well, I, and I, I mean, their identity under Sean McVay is going to have to stay offense. I, I loved how they played with pace against the Bears and caused disruption with quick snaps and, you know, caught Chicago off guard. I mean, I feel like this is part one of this new Rams offense. And maybe part two is the second half of this season or even next season where, you know, this is a different attack than it was in the past. And I think that shows a lot of flexibility by Sean McVay. Um, I think that Super Bowl loss caused a lot of introspection and he came out with a completely different looking attack. I do see them go to sleep at times, though, in the passing game. There's been a couple misconnections with Goff and Cup. And when that's not the case, when they're on, 
they're still very dangerous, but I, I don't know if I can really count on them week to week on offense yet. All right, let's move on. Greg, you're up next in the draft. All right, I need a late afternoon game, so I'm going Saints against the Bears, and there's a lot of complaining going on in New Orleans right now about this defense. There's even more complaining in Chicago about their offense, but this looks like a get-right game for this Saints defense. There's miscommunication problems in the secondary. You know who's great to play uh, in a week that that happens? The Bears, especially if Allen Robinson is not in this game. He's in the concussion protocol. There's a lot of complaining in New Orleans that the pass rush isn't really that good, that Cameron Jordan's not getting it done, and old two-first Marcus Davenport's been quiet until that game-winning sack <laughs> last week. Don't hear people chirping about that. Davenport's Greg's a Saints fan, up. by the way, everybody. It's I, I, I'm not really a Saints fan. I'm trying to say that you should get off Davenport, but you know what? This is a match if they should win because the Bears offensive line has been dreadful this season and every defensive line is winning against them and that's why I feel really confident the Saints defense balls out and they go they get a win on the road and that's why I'm locking it up Ooh. I'm not waiting around Ooh, I like that and Spicy. let's you know we're gonna take a look at the lock of the week standings later but let, let's give some respect to Greg he is seven and oh to start the season so when he's locking up the Rainmaker locks a team up right now it's best you pay attention. Cash money. Yes, you should I mean, pay attention. Rain falling from the sky. Can we do that? I think so. Uh, I don't know if that's allowed. I, you know, <laughs> the Bears, there is some like Adam Gase light stuff going on around this team now. It's starting to the, – the naggy heat is getting turned up, and they kind of need a performance here, a home game. Uh, they're coming off the loss, but they're still obviously in great shape. At five and two, but if you if you bomb out against the Saints, uh, then people are going to really start to ask questions about is is this a team that's about to kind of go up in flames? Uh, so that's that's what I'm looking for. I know Nick Foles is never going to turn this into an explosive offense. They don't have a ton of big time players, especially if their number one wide receiver isn't involved uh, with the game plan. But find a way to get this offense going, Matt Nagy, because that's what you were hired for. Well, it's I, I'm with you on the Adam Gase light, and it's really just like the issue with bad teams where one side of the ball is holding the entire operation hostage. I mean, when will the infighting begin? When will the ooh, anonymous ooh. quotes start to filter in from the defense? Because they're basically saying we don't win games unless this defense scores points or sets up very easy points for the offense. I And it, it becomes almost tiresome to discuss Chicago's offense because – the narrative used to be the Mitch Trubisky thing, and they, they went out and they got Nick Foles. And if you really wanted to paint an optimistic picture, maybe you could sign up for Nick Foles as someone that you could have as a starter. But it still always felt like a patch. And the patch is ripping off, and there's just a big hole underneath <laughs> it. And the hole is basically Chicago, nice record to start the season. I wouldn't be surprised if they're 6-8 and eight at some point. I just feel like this thing is in, heading into troubled waters. Right, and when you're, when you're a great offense and a bad defense, you're, you're the Seahawks. Or you're the Packers, but like when you're a good defense with a with a terrible offense, then you're the Bears. Keep an eye on Marquez Callaway. He really impressed me for the Saints last week. They could use another receiving option. He's a little banged up, but if he can become a legitimate threat week after week, then they can keep surviving without Michael Thomas because we still don't know if Michael Thomas is ever going to return for this. We might not ever see that man again. And I see you. I see <laughs> all of you out there, all you people that counted out and threw dirt. On Drew Brees' grave after two weeks, and oh, he can't play anymore. He's got an arm <laughs> that basically matches a six-year-old in my son's uh, Zoom uh, kindergarten class. 
whatever. I don't see it so much anymore. I know he's not going to be a, a deep downfield passer, uh, but he never really was in the first place. This guy is getting it done. He was super efficient this past week. That offense looked really yes. good with Drew Brees at the controls. So everybody calm down. We'll be right back after this. Greg, it snakes back to you. Well, earlier in this show, you took the Browns uh, from Mark. I'm going to go ahead and take the Jets from you. You didn't see that coming. <laughs> no, it's I didn't. It's Chiefs That's Jets. That's a gift. What are you doing? It's early. I like having <laughs> bad games as my backup games in the morning. If I'm going to be focused on on uh, Raven Steelers, you know, let's just have a Chiefs Jets blowout as my backup. And you know what? Any game with Patrick Mahomes is watchable. And for a, such a bad team that the Jets are, they do have something to watch every week, which is the Sam Darnold uh, development and whether he's going to ever show it. And this is a really tough matchup for him, I think, because Steve Spagnolo, if he spell, specializes in anything, it's cooking up these young uh, quarterbacks. He did it last week to Drew Locke. They love showing a lot of things uh, before the snap, after the snap. I think the Chiefs are more dynamic defensively with Bashad Breeland back. He's a really underrated uh, cornerback. And I think if you're a Sam Darnold believer, the number one concern for him is his processing time. It's his decision-making. It's his slow decision-making. And maybe that's all Adam Gase's fault. I don't really know. But to me, that's the thing that really hasn't moved forward, that you can just see his mind not moving quick and holding the ball. And that's kind of like a rookie quarterback thing. And, and we haven't seen a ton of that. And this is a really tough matchup, I think, for him uh, in that regard. My mind. I, I do wonder. Uh, you go ahead, Dan. You look at the base numbers. You look at the analytics. Darnold has regressed in year three. And so you, if you're the Jets, you have to figure out, like, is that on him? Which it obviously partly is because it's him. Uh, or is did, was he broken by a completely inefficient and um, out-of-date and ineffective Adam Gase offense? That's what they have to figure out. He is sometimes slow uh, in the processing, and he'll miss receivers. And he threw one of the worst interceptions of his career last week, as an example. It was off his back foot into, like, triple coverage right before the half against the Bills that essentially marred what was otherwise a, a fairly strong first half for the Jets' offense with Dwell, Dowell, Dwell, Loggins. Dowell. Uh, Dowell uh, calling the plays, the offensive coordinator, for the first time. So, yeah, Dar that's what it's all about uh, for the Jets, figuring out if, if he is the guy. Although, if they go 0-15 or 0-16 or 1-15, oh, yeah. if the decision, even if he plays well, is almost taken out of his hands and he's auditioning, really, for 31 other teams. I, I You can feel his career turning if that happens and he'll he'll be somewhere else and that may be the best thing for Sam Darnold in the end because you know we don't have a really crystal clear answer to this but what is the coaching impact on Sam Darnold's career under Adam Gase I mean the idea that Adam Gase has been sold to us over the years as a as a quarterback whisperer well I don't think he's saying anything you're not whispering any words uh, in in Sam Darnold's ear at this point I don't know what's going on in, with that team I it's it's a depressing watch you want to see someone like Denzel Mims uh, you know, develop as well. I mean, I've got to wonder, though, if you're Andy Reid and you've got Le'Veon Bell coming into this situation against the Jets, are they cooking something up special there? Is it going to be one of those types of games where they really allow him to show the Jets who he is? I mean, the only thing is, like, no, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is tied for <laughs> second in the NFL with 10-plus yard rushes. Yeah, I'm but not saying I want that. I just This is the game you bring like, in Bell for. This would be for. a setup for Le'Veon Bell. Right. This, is the, this is the game you bring Bell in for because you have a big lead and you don't want Alaire to be too banged up. And you know what? Bell is running better this year. I thought he was for the Jets 
um, than he did a year ago. I'm not saying he's old Le'Veon Bell, but I think he's a, a good, useful uh, running back. And it, with being surrounded by the talent that he is in Kansas City, he's obviously going to have more more production now. Yeah, I, I would just like calm down with anybody that's like, oh, Le'Veon Bell revenge game. The Jets gave him a bigger contract than any other team would have given him in free agency last year. And uh, it didn't work out because the Jets stink. But it's not like it was like something where he needs to get his revenge, I guess, against Adam Gase. But Adam Gase doesn't know how to well, judge anybody. I mean, it's just like I. you're right, though. You know what's going to happen. I mean, he's going to have a huge game because that's the way it works for the Jets. And then I'll have to talk about it on Sunday night. But that's that's yeah, I'm doing you a favor. I will trade with you after, you know, we get off the air. If you want if you want to watch the Jets, I'm not going to take that away from you. But maybe I'm doing you a favor because it does feel like the Chiefs offensive stats are pretty low. Like Tyreek Hill's not even on pace for a thousand yards. Mahomes is pretty low it's like don't they need a game where they just oh, yeah. put up a lot of yards it's like bombs this, away this week be for the Chiefs. So not, i totally might not be a fun one who feels a 50 burger coming on i certainly do i do yeah. i watch i always watch yep. the jets the only time i don't watch the jets is when joe flacco's playing and adam okay. Gase is the coach okay. if one of those I'll factors is not involved uh no i'll be i'll be watching it on my own tv but uh yeah makai becton he's back and healthy i hope jameson crowder's involved and denzel mims did look good i will say in the first half Wait, before that get straight in you dried t- up you take you take the Browns game away from me, but you you handed me the Flacco Jets uh, era to observe <laughs> on Sunday, and it literally affected my mood and my my overall experience. You know so, what? You know this is not that wasn't right. Equal. I apologize. All right, let's. Uh, move. By the way, the people in the desert they are flying with this with that. That's that's a three touchdown differential plus over there. Crazy stuff. Um, Mark, you're up. Well, I'm going to go with a game that I find quite interesting because this team, New England, I'm going New England Buffalo. To me, this like Patriots team, no matter how um, ugly things get, for some reason, they're still fascinating to me. And I mean, they are in an ultra, these are two offenses in a bit of a slump right now. I mean, Buffalo, you know, came out of the gate real hot to start the season. Not the case right now. And with the Patriots, I mean, the Cam Newton experience that I think peaked in Seattle um, has been horrendous. I mean, he just does not look right to me. He, it, it's almost like it, it does remind you that when you had someone like Brady in that system who was just processing before and after the snap with such magical abilities that you put anyone else in there and it's not, you know, they had, they had the Hoyer-Stidham disaster from a few weeks ago and you thought you'd get Cam back and you're going to get Cam Seahawks Cam and that's all gone away. We have Julian Edelman has just had surgery today, but Julian Edelman... Is that a huge loss right now? He's not been involved in the offense on any level. I think they want to run the ball. I mean, I made a joke about it on our other episode from the week about, you know, what could happen to New England if they would just went totally into a run mode where they run the ball like 65 times a game. But that's not working. And I just, I, to me, this team, like I, I'm ready to sit, let, this, let the ship sail on New England because I think they were badly outcoached, outplayed uh, last week against the Niners. And it revealed a roster that's not been built well. Well, this is the week. I mean, this is their season right now. They lose to the Bills to go two and five, and what they're four games back in the last column. That's that, and they they've shown who they are. They win in Buffalo, and then it, it's an ugly AFC East where you got to consider them a contender, the Dolphins a contender, and the Bills as a team that have serious struggles because the Bills should win this game. Sean McDermott has never beaten Bill Belichick, and he's got way more talent. He's got way more juice on offense. The Patriots' defense is 
uh, struggles to me are as concerning as Cam Newton's because they're they're a little more surprising. And you got to play uh, a Josh Allen team who started great, but the last three weeks they're averaging 17 points a week. The only teams that are worse than them right now over the last three weeks are the Patriots, a nice matchup, uh, the Jets, no <laughs> surprise, and the Cowboys with their rotating quarterback. So it's like the Bills off, and the Bills haven't been playing great defenses either. Uh, so they need to get going, and some teams are really backing off Allen, making them work for these long drives and hoping Allen makes a mistake and gives them some chances. The Jets had chances uh, to intercept them a few times. The Patriots need to take advantage when he gives them those chances. You know, this is kind of bittersweet for me. I've been waiting for years for the death of the Patriots as a relevant <laughs> uh, franchise in the NFL. And it's finally here, and the Jets are historically awful. So they have nothing to do uh, with the Patriots coming back down uh, to the Next rest week, of us. Next week, buddy. Jets, yeah. Pats. Oh, that would be, that would be sweet. Um, but you know what? It's like the Bills have to be the ones. Like if the Jets get – you, you're the one. You're the one that's got to do it. Right. You're the one that lets everyone know that this didn't happen for nothing. It's the guy from Rocky Four, the trainer, uh, that was telling Rocky after Apollo was killed that he needs to step up to Drago. Well, th- come on, Bills. Don't take care of business here. This is a wounded Patriots organization that are they're 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 not very strong in terms of personnel. They know that Tom Brady's lighting it up in Tampa. It's like adding more pain and misery around that building potentially, which I love. And the Bills, despite not playing very well, go win a football game in your building here and really, really put the clamps on the Patriots and put them in a situation where you can almost stick a fork in them. Uh, what were you going to say, Greg? I'm just saying, I was just saying, I, I don't have much hope, but if there's ever a matchup that favors the Patriots, I think this is it. Not just that they've won six straight, but the, the styles of the way they play, that the Bills' defense tends to give up these short passes in the running game, give up these long drives, you shorten the game. And the Patriots' defense, if they do one thing well, I think they can just slow an offense down with their cornerbacks, and the Bills haven't shown they can run the ball. I think you beat the Patriots by just, like, beating them up. And right now the Bills' offense and their offensive line, they're not really, like, beating anyone up. I would, here is the darkest timeline scenario. Sam Darnold, you know, as the season progresses here, starts to show something and he takes out New England. And by then, Bill Belichick has already spoken to Cam Newton and said, you're going to do a favor for me. You're going to continue to throw interceptions and not touchdowns. I'm going to set you up financially for life. You're going to have a, a, a high rise, um, you know, penthouse apartment in Foxborough for the rest of your life. Things are going to look good. you got to take a bullet here for me, and we're going to reverse engineer this, allow the Jets to beat us twice. We will <laughs> go on to into the end of the Are we in our week second Patriots the fantasy of the week for Sessler? How did we get here again? I'm just saying. That other one Mark feels is a less realistic. Pa- a Patriots fan. Remember Wes used to like the Patriots because Wes yeah, Mark loves greatness, loves so that makes sense. Now I Mark like is Belichick, into it. I do. He likes bad Patriots I just think teams. He's... It reminds him of the Browns. <laughs> if they ever, if they ever, you know, tanked for Trevor and and they they got four or five weeks into this thing and said, we know how to win, but we also know how to lose better than anyone. Good coaches would know how to lose a game better than anyone too. So Belichick, secret edge, Dan. Okay, but Stefan Gilmore, by the way, looking at his phone in between series, seeing if he's been traded yet. Maybe <laughs> Stefan Diggs sneaks behind him a couple of times. I love the Bills here. I love it just for the fact that they're a better team. I love what it represents if they Ooh. win. That's why I'm going to lock up the team from Good Western one. New York uh, to huh. put the Patriots underground for 2020. And that brings the draft over to the old Zeuser. Oh, that one caught me by surprise. 
Don't you hate when that happens? <laughs> All right. Yeah, you don't pack these breaks in, and suddenly we're you know you're you're scampering for. All right, let's go with um, Tennessee at Cincinnati. How about that? Let's see how the Titans are looking um, after a tough loss at home, but not a a, a loss to hang your head over. I mean, it was was what it was, Uh, a game where you fell behind 27-7, and then once you figure out a way to get a couple stops uh, and get your offense on the field, you damn near tied the game. And a big issue for the Titans against the Steelers was third downs. They could not get off the field. I think Pittsburgh was 13 of 18 uh, in that game. And that led to just um, a destruction in the time of possession realm. And that's ultimately what got the Titans beat. So I, I don't take that as a loss like, oh, time to take restock and, uh, you know, where what we think about the Titans. I still think is a very good team. And I think they're going to take care of business, obviously, in Cincinnati. But you know what? Joe Burrow makes... These games interesting. This isn't watching, uh, you know, late period Andy Dalton or uh, who are some of the other Hammenagers that played when Dalton wasn't in in Cincinnati. Uh, AJ McCarron. I think there was somebody Jeff else. Driscoll. Yeah, Jeff I mean, I Driscoll. think their names were Ham and Egger. So. Yeah, exactly. So Burrow, if nothing else, makes the Bengals uh, fun to watch because he keeps it close. They lose all these close games, and the, but that's part of like the journey for a team, figuring out how to win close games. The Titans have played a lot of close games this year. It's in Cincinnati, so it would not surprise me if we have another close game. But ultimately, I think the Titans get back on the winning track uh, in Week 8. I would view the Bengals as trap game material for every team they play. I mean, outside of maybe the upper echelon, like Pittsburgh Ravens-type teams. Because Burrow, the one thing I I love about Burrow and you're, this is what takes you know other quarterbacks years to to grow into, or maybe they never do. But he sees and feels pressure pretty well, which you know fits well with an offensive line that just is a little bit above a total disaster. I mean, but he keeps them in these games, and I think it's his running ability too. There was a play last week against the Browns where they were stuck in like a third and eleven scenario, and he just saw this open prairie land to just dart into and it's like a lot of quarterbacks just don't see that or they do that when they shouldn't um he doesn't give up uh, give up on plays he's a fighter i mean he is a ma- just a magician in the pocket and i mm. you know he's not been perfect but i i think he is growing every week and i wouldn't be surprised if he gives tennessee a little bit of a run for their money because i mean yep. he be- he basically almost beat the browns twice it's their defense that forces him into these shootouts well this is a sneaky good matchup you know, you mentioned the third downs, Dan. The Titans were last place in third downs on defense before they played Pittsburgh. So now they're last mm. by a mile. Like, it, it's a sneaky bad defense. Not a lot of pass rush juice. My guy, Jadevian Clowney's having the worst season, I think, of his career. He's banged up as he always is, but he's, he's not playing well through it. Remember Vic Beasley? Remember the Titans signed Vic Beasley? And, you know, last week, Vic Beasley made a play, and I was like, oh, yeah, Vic Beasley's on, <laughs> that was on like the That was, like, the most, like, in terms of doomed uh, acquisitions that everyone knew was terrible even before it started, that has to be right near the top of the list. It never had a chance. It, 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 it's not working. And and for um, fans who don't watch the Bengals every week, who last saw them on Thursday night, they're a different team right now. I think they're a lot better offensively even than they were in week two. Their line is playing better. I'm not saying it's great, but it's played better. They've had a couple weeks where where they protected Burrow pretty well. T. Higgins is a legit starter. I mean, their first two picks look really good. Um, And 
And Zach Taylor, I think, has the offense looking like you would you would want it to look, that you feel better about it. I can't tell. I know this is your corner, Dan, but I'm with you on it. I can't tell if, if Zach Taylor's like the worst three and nineteen and one coach in NFL history or the best. You know what I mean? Because they're in every game. <laughs> but there's no such thing looking as the best three nineteen and one coach. It's well, he's probably something. the only one. So I guess he's both. Yeah. But I mean, <laughs> I can't tell because they do look better. To Mark's point, I really do think they're improving, but they can never get these wins. I mean, Taylor went to the Anthony Lynn school of how to manage close games because it's like, you know, they're in these games, but they're not winning them. And I, I, it's hard. I think Zach Taylor flies under the radar a little bit. But, I mean, where do you, if you get to the end of the season, how do you assess? I think he'll be point? safe and you've because, got this- of, because of the Browns' history. I mean, the, the Browns, yeah. I mean, the, the family, the Browns, the Bengals. Um, I think he'll be safe. If, if Burrow's playing well, I don't think you mess with that. If we say that Zach Taylor is flying under the radar enough times on this show, will he cease to be flying under the radar? Because I feel like we, <laughs> we preface every statement about him that no one really pays attention to him. But it's he's, he's got to find a way to win, I think, some of these games in the back half of the season just to ensure management you know, is like, okay, we've seen it. We've seen it. Joe Burrow, by the way, is on pace for 42 pass attempts per game, which would be the most ever by a rookie um, since 1970, uh, breaking – Andrew Luck's record. So I don't know what that really says. It tells us that the Joe Mixon thing hasn't worked out this year. It tells us that they believe in so much in this kid that they're handing him the game script and saying, let's win with you. Uh, and it also, it does leave him in line to get hit a lot, which has happened. So I don't know. They're just, they're fun to watch, but you do that offensive line. It scares you. If you're having him drop back oh. that many times, like, you know, God forbid, you know, he, he gets hit and falls the wrong way. All right. Am I up again? It's snaking to me. Look at the old Zeus <laughs> on his heels. He's the biggest of all spots. Uh, all right, let's grab. Uh, do we have any late games left? No. Well, we, there's going to be a lot of late trading this week. Yeah, uh, let me yes, grab uh, then uh, Colts at Lions. Um, Colts at Lions. You know, Detroit, that was the win they needed. That was such a big win for the Lions because they've – They've lost so many close games under Patricia. They've It's the same old Lions mentality that permeates the place and it sinks seasons. But being able to outright steal a game they had no business winning against the Falcons where Todd Gurley falls into the end zone and then Stafford runs them down the field uh, 74 yards in like 60 seconds without a timeout. And now if they can just find a way at home to beat the Colts, You take a look at their schedule after Indy, and it softens up a little bit. And then all of a sudden, Mm. the Lions left for dead um, earlier this year are right in the mix in the NFC uh, in the wild card race. So, But let's see if they can do it because if we've learned one thing, and Kevin Patrick, if he's listening, is nodding his head right now, uh, our resident Lions fans at NFL Media, Lions fan at NFL Media, if we've learned one thing, they tend to fall on their face when they are presented with these opportunities. And the Colts, obviously, uh, Greg, are not a layup. This is a, a very good uh, defense. I know they've been kind of up and down offensively this season, uh, but this will be a test for the Lions. If they are uh, under the radar as a, a kind of a halfway decent, potentially good team, though you, you should be able to hold serve at home. Yeah, I think the Lions defense has come out of their bye playing pretty well. Uh, and and this is an offense, the Colts, that is, that you should slow down. They don't have a running game. You're curious if the Phillip Rivers resurgence, which lasted about two quarters against Cincinnati, and he was, he was hot on the mid-range game, whether that keeps up right now. 
Um, but like this is a game I don't have. I still were in week eight. I don't have a feel of these teams, which maybe is just who they are. They're a te- this is a game that I know Chris Wesseling doesn't want to watch. Two dome teams, uh, you know, at 10 a.m. Draft so much uniforms in the, in the soft middle of the NFL without, you know, really explosive offenses. Like that's what this game is to me right now. I'm going to defend the Colts uniforms. I do not think they're bad, and I like the logo. It's classic. That's fair. It's more just like when it's at the indoors and the lighting. I don't know. Right. Yeah, um, and I think with Philip Rivers, if what happens if he if he bombs out again? Is there any way, uh, Greg, that you see uh, Jacoby Brissett play without no. an injury in 2020? Well, it'd have to be a, just a terrible month by Rivers. I you know I do I watch this Colts team. I do wonder like, is their offensive line as good as everyone says it is every time they mention it because they can't run the ball and. I don't know if Rivers has been protected as well as you'd expect. They do get Darius Leonard back, though. I think that the games without Darius Leonard for the Colts defense showed you why he is one of the more valuable play, defensive players in the league. They, they kind of just weren't the same. And they're getting healthy in a few spots, like Michael Pittman might be back, Kamiko Ture, this speed rusher I like. Like The Colts are one of those teams that have a lot of guys coming back throughout the season, so that should make them a little bit better. They, they right. should win this game. Give the Titans a run. I like the Lions. I think they're going to shake it up. Mark, where are you on the uh, Lions bandwagon, by the way? I know you were on a burro, uh, a donkey, trying to catch up to the bandwagon you abandoned in week two. Were you able to hop back on, or, or did it pull away uh, and leave you in the dust? Well, I mean, it's it's picking up steam, but, I mean, you're the one that suggested that I was on, like, a slow animal. I, I said I was going to take a vehicle and follow the bandwagon, and the vehicle is swift. It's catching up. Um, I'm about to jump off the vehicle, kind of Indiana Jones style, into the back of the bandwagon and find a seat there. I'm firmly involved. What about the other people in the national media, like Amina Kimes? There are a few of you that were talking big about the Lions. Uh, Will they welcome you back to the bandwagon if you do uh, pull off the Indiana Jones and make it back up? I mean, I I think that we all experienced um, a pause in our fandom uh, it, I didn't hear a lot from Mina Kimes during that first month, but Mina Kimes is probably sitting up in the front seat, nice air condition on her, I'm sure, you know, getting snacks at drive throughs I'm stuck in the back, so I, I got a ways to go here. You're wearing a helmet, right? I don't, this jump, no, you know, I don't, you're a man in your 40s, I, don't, I, I would be the same way. Do I trust my athletic ability to make the Indiana Jones leap? No, it's fair. It's it's a man in his forties who's not exercised during Corona time once. So there are there are concerns about making Flat that um, that move. Beach body. All right, Mark, you're up in the draft. All right, I'm going to go uh, Minnesota at Green Bay, and and uh, you know I look back at that Bucks game that that where Aaron Rodgers went south, the whole team did as just an aberration. They they ran up. They'll probably meet him again in the playoffs. They ran up against a great defense. Thankfully. Um, you know, you're up against a Vikings defense that's basically said, I don't care what, you know, I, I saw you know, Matt LaFleur saying, oh, this is still a very uh, intriguing Vikings defense. They're strong. Come on, that's all lip service. They traded Yannick Nagakwe. We talked about that. Daniil Hunter is basically out of commission. And so you have no, like what you went into the season envisioning, and you're thinking if you're the Vikings, our chore is to deal with Aaron Rodgers twice a year and a bunch of other good quarterbacks. We better be able to rush the passers. They can't do that at all. I mean, the the chore here is for Kirk Cousins and the Vikings offense to try to keep up with a Green Bay attack that I think should 
have a pretty a pretty easy day here. And I mean, you look at what Devontae Adams did last week. I mean, he is giving us the DeAndre Hopkins treatment from the old Houston days. I mean, it's just I, I like this. I like this situation for Green Bay a ton. I think they are maybe the th- second or third best team in the NFC. Um, they're for real. The Bucks game was something different. And so keep riding Aaron Rodgers. Nothing should yeah. be slowing mm. you down on Sunday. We need, we need to see the next time the Packers have a big opponent, how they match up. Because if they don't there, then you're starting to ask questions about whether they are truly one of the big boys. But for now, just lo- look at it as a blip on the radar. With the Vikings, it's like, I don't know. I like Mike Zimmer a lot, and he just got an extension. He's not going anywhere. Um, but how do you ask that coach to keep that team invested when you bring in Yannick Ngakwe to win the Super Bowl? You trade him out of town. I don't think it's a bad trade. You're obviously one in five. The opportunity to recoup uh, draft capital on a veteran on an expiring contract. I get all that, but it's a tough message to send to a locker room with this much football to be played. I wouldn't be totally stunned if they go in the tank. It's not like you have a mm. fearsome leader in Kirk Cousins that's going to hold the locker room together. This could turn into <laughs> train wreck territory for the Vikings. You're you're right, and yet I do think it's like it's personal accountability. It's like you're playing for your paycheck. That That's what I think is motivating players and, and a lot of people more than anything is you're playing for your career. Spoken like a true one... tennis fan because this I'm usually saying... doesn't work in team sports. <laughs> I, I get it. Like, I'm just saying if everyone takes personal accountability, I don't think their effort level has been their problem. It's the fact that they have no pass rush and their cornerbacks have been young and terrible. And by the way, they're banged up this week. So it's like a terrible matchup. But people, you need to have a group of players that take accountability. And the ones that don't, it's like you got to get rid of those players at some point. And so you, you do learn a little bit about that. And you're going to learn something about Kirk Cousins because remember I said, Baker is morphing into Kirk Cousins. Well, that the Kirk Cousins, um, you know, body is only available because Kirk Cousins is now Jameis Winston. I don't know how it happened, but Kirk Cousins wow. He's is exactly on pace for 33 touchdowns and 30 interceptions. The Jameis Winston stats from a year ago. It's really? my favorite stat of the That's year. Amazing. Kirk Cousins tells you who he is with his first throw of the game. He throws an interception that you never saw coming, and you're like, oh, it's going to be one of those Kirk Cousins. One of them days. That's Jameis Winston's move. Who throws deeper on a higher percentage of throws than anyone in the NFL out of nowhere this year? That's Kirk Cousins. That's Jameis Winston's move. It's been some sort of Freaky Friday situation, and uh, it's a lot going on. He's on pace for 30-30. I had no idea it had gotten to that point. And that was like the one thing with Cousins. Like, love him or hate him. And it's always been like, yeah, Cousins puts up the numbers. But then in prime time or in the playoffs, you know he's going to lay down. This new version, where in addition to you having all those other concerns about what the, what happens when the lights are on, uh, that he's just like a total Winstonian mess. That is – that's disturbing. I mean – to be fair, I, as someone who always defends Winston, there's the good and the bad. I mean, games like this where your defense isn't going to show up, it's like he'll probably put up a lot of garbage time points. He'll put some fantasy points up. It'll be like 38 to 30 at the end, and you'll have a little bit of fun at least. I, I, I do wonder if Justin Jefferson winds up being – I know because the quarterback situation, he probably doesn't have a shot, but this is an offensive rookie of the year type performance from Justin Jefferson. I mean, he his numbers have been incredible every week. Take him off the offense, and what is Kirk Cousins then? I mean, that is one thing to build on. I would wonder if Kirk Cousins – I you know, I have to look at the salary stuff, but, I mean, is he still in their long-term plans? I mean, this feels like a team – 
heading into a pretty ferocious Ooh. rebuild, at least on one half I of the mean, ball. I have, I have an answer. What I think is going to happen, at least. His new extension gave him one more year of guaranteed money after this year. That was it. It was basically a one-year tack on. So you draft someone, you have Cousins there next year, and that's either it or you just evaluate how it goes. But I think next year is his Checks last out. year there. But it's like that one year is at high-level starter money, right? It's like I, but I that's never, fine. He's okay. I never understood giving him the Kurt. extension, I guess is what I'm trying to say. What he gave them in the first two years, were they really going in the right direction with him? I guess you did it to keep the peace and all that, but uh, I don't know, man. And, Greg, you seem to your, – your body language – my take on the Packers, no reason to worry about them until they lose against the big team again. Are you either completely confident in them right now, or do you see them as a bit of a flawed contender? Well, I, I haven't been uh, a fan of their defense, but I'm not going to kill them for that one game. I think it was a matchup game where the Bucks defense just won that, and they're just so good. When they can put up the points they do without Aaron Jones on the field or without David Bakhtiari or without Devontae Adams at points of season, like I trust them to be in it against the NFC contenders because their offense will be too good. All right. Good stuff. Let's close up the draft and hit the primetime games. Good draft, guys. Ooh. Good stuff. I enjoyed it. Fun draft. Um, let's start with Sunday Night Football. Dallas at Philadelphia. Maron. I mean, we don't need to dwell on this. We we <laughs> we were banging on about uh, with Connie Fox on Tuesday's show how we got to stop it with these primetime games in the NFC East because it feels relentless. And then I sent a link to you guys, a uh, story I read about you know television ratings and like the Arizona-Seattle right. <laughs> game from last week did a third or two-thirds of the audience that some random NFC East game did the year before. And that's what it ultimately comes down to. People watch these teams, uh, so we just have to swallow it and deal. But Benny DiNucci might be playing in primetime. That's where we're at, Mark. Benny DiNucci, uh, who is taking it, a lot it, of snaps it, this week. I think part of the reason that the, the ratings will still skyrocket is because it's a little bit of a Patriots factor. I mean, people, big chunks of the country love watching a Cowboys team um, spinning into total chaos. And it's pretty amazing where we are now with this team compared to where we were three or four weeks ago, where, I mean, how many people on their fantasy squads have Zeke Elliott and C.D. Lamb and guys like this thinking, you know, you're going to ride these guys into your championship round. They've all gone mute. They've all been muted. And the offense has completely fallen in on itself. The defense is a total disaster. It's hard to watch. The spinning and into chaos thing has its limits, though. Like, it's a well, good I mean, conversation during the week. But when you actually have to sit and watch the team and they're getting beat 25-3 by the Washington football team, I don't get much joy out of that. I know they would have flexed this something. game out if if Dalton had been hurt the week before and given them time that they knew Ben DiNucci was starting this game they would not have put Ben DiNucci in prime time I believe that and I've ne you never see the Cowboys get flexed out but I think they would have just for the the good of like the the NFL because all you got to do is blitz this line into oblivion they were the worst team in the NFL with Andy Dalton and it's just opposing defensive coordinators are just blitz, 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 blitz against this terrible offensive line. Now you're going to do that against Danucci with a pretty good defense. I think the last five minutes of that Giants-Eagles game will go down as the most important um, five minutes in the NFC East this year because the Eagles snuck that game out. 
and now the reserves are coming. Dallas Goddard, maybe maybe not this week. We'll see Jalen Rager, Miles Sanders, Jason Peters. Like they're coming back. The Eagles snuck out that win. Now they get you know Danucci, and they're they're going to be a real team. They're going to say they're. At, I think they can get to eight wins, something like that. They'll be a real team, and that'll well, just be the NFC. You're right. They've got Dallas. They've got their bye. They've got the Giants. Take care of business. You're four, four, and one. And and the and some of the jokes about the NFC East will stop applying to Philadelphia. But if you look at the rest of their schedule, they're going to have to be a legitimately good team. Right. But they're getting out players with back. A they're record. getting a lot of right. players back. That should right. that should matter. I like uh I like watching Carson Wentz this year because he it's so frenetic and all over the place and post 54 Carson Wentz you know those last six minutes I was on a text chain with Giants fans Thursday night last week and uh I said watch out guys this guy he might get you in these last uh, six minutes and sure enough he throws two touchdown passes throws for 137 yards and steals that game away and he he still has stretches where he misses open receivers or throws a bad pick but then the last couple of weeks, you see it. You see that guy is still there, and he's making plays. And like Greg said, uh, Goddard returns. They start getting some guys back, Jalen Rager. Um, this idea that the NFC East will be won by a team that's going to go w- with six wins or something, I wouldn't stun me if the Eagles write the ship and God, I'm, they're not going to go crazy, but 8-7-1. and one. And that's like, okay, sure, that won the division. That's where we're at, though. This is real bad. If if the Eagles somehow blow this game, if Benny Donucci goes off and they lose this game, this will be the lowest, the NFC East. We might already be there, but like the darkest moment for the NFC East. If there's an ugly like 12-10 game, uh, Donucci uh, wins. I mean, I, Yikes. if that happens, I would it's say put happening. our podcast on pause and, and dial in Philadelphia talk radio as soon as possible. <laughs> Very true. All right, finally, Monday Night Football. Another NFC East team. <laughs> the New York Giants play host to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So at least you get the national stage here for the Bucks, who are the, the last three weeks or so, maybe even you go a bit further, uh, really since that Thursday night game, which was a little funky, the one they lost to Chicago. They've been the best team in football and uh, the last three quarters against the Packers were dominant. And then they just absolutely opened up a can of whip Heine uh, in week week eight against the Raiders. So uh, there's no reason to think that Tom Brady who will, you know, he's played enough primetime games and enough playoff games to last several lifetimes for many players. So it's not like this moment is going to be any different for him. He's just going to continue to thrive, I think. And I'm looking to see if this Patriots offense, Greg, uh, keeps on firing on, or excuse me, Bucks offense keeps firing on all cylinders against the Giants team, which doesn't have a terrible defense, but probably will be no match for Tampa. Yeah, I don't. I think the Bucks offense matches up beautifully, even without Chris Godwin. You know what the Giants defense has done pretty well without great personnel is slow teams down, make them kick field goals, make them work down the field and, you know, see if the opposing quarterback makes a mistake. Like that's Tom Brady eats that for breakfast. Uh, Joe Judge, the former Patriots coach, maybe he has an idea how to slow down Tom Brady after being with them. I don't think it matters because he doesn't have the players. 
Uh, the Bucks' offensive line, I'm just going to keep hammering it. It might be the best offensive line in the league. You have Tom Brady with the best offensive line in the league. He had he got touched one time in 49 dropbacks last week. One QB hit, almost a Golston, on 49 dropbacks for Tom Brady, and there's no reason to think the Giants' pass rush uh, is going to get there. And Gronk moving better is a real thing. I, it's I a think real I, thing. I'm putting this – Yep. I, he – He's in the moving better in October than September All-Star team. I, I might have to do this as a, a written segment or something. Guys who are, you know, guys improve during the season. It happens. Sometimes they don't start too well. James Conner's another one that comes to mind, and they play, they look a lot better in October. They really, the Bucks are shining and evolving weekly. And it's, it's I you know, you think about watching football like we have for 25, 30 years, and it is, it can't be overstated how fascinating of a case study it is for Tom Brady to go into a completely new offense um, at his age and what he's done. And, you know, the first couple of weeks, you kind of wondered what you were dealing with, but this feels like a legit um, raging juggernaut. And I don't, I'm not sure who's going to stand in the way. It's not the Giants. And, of course, with the Giants, we've got Will Hernandez, who um, is on the COVID list right now. Uh, we'll see what else happens with that. But that's that's part of your offensive line, trying to protect a Daniel Jones uh, character who is not throwing the ball deep character. well this year. I think like some, well, it's just some, I just feel like the shine is off Daniel Jones. I, I was so excited about him and the whole offense going into this season, and it's just not materialized to the point where if you're a, if you're a Giants um, front office executive, if any of them are even there after this season, you got to take a hard look at that situation at quarterback, depending on who else becomes available. Give him some time. I mean, well, give him a little time. I want to, but it's just... You know, Daniel Jeremiah, just on the show, he talked about how you want to give a, a quarterback about two and a half seasons, 30 starts or so. Um, that that seems fair. But you have to wonder, and it, it crossed my mind having grown up in New York and knowing how the media operates there and just, you know, covering this hour league long enough, if Jones and, like, this entire era of Giants football is going to be remembered for the would-be breakaway touchdown run that was ruined by that the turf <laughs> monster. Because it wasn't like the butt fumble or anything like that. But it was a type of low light that can define a player. And if he's lucky... He has a long career, and it becomes just something people uh, remember, but it's, it doesn't stick with him. But if if this doesn't work, and then they go and they sweep out the Dave Gettleman regime in totality, right. we'll all remember Jones's run and then how it ended so cruelly as kind of this was Giants football in this time. It was that it was that way, and oh, not for nothing, and Giants fans who are listening, screaming at the podcast that still believe in Danny Dimes. Evan Ingram catches a football on third down right. there. No Danny one's Dimes talking about that Danny game. Dimes falling. That's just the way sports are. It sucks. Uh, but Evan Ingram has been killing them this year with drops and not being able to step up his play. And that was, I mean, that was a season-ruining drop, potentially. Well, Danny Dimes has played better the last two weeks. I thought he played very well in that game. Um, the run, it's funny, it points out the thing that people don't notice, that Dan, Danny Dimes is one of the fastest quarterbacks in the league. He does not have the running instincts, so I'm not putting him anywhere near the top five rushers. Um, but he's got speed. He's got um, good throws. I think he's played pretty well the last couple of weeks. That Thomas is killing them. I mean, you take a, a tackle number four overall, to me, Oof. that's that's a bigger Gettleman indictment if that doesn't turn around than anything, especially – uh, when you got Jedrick Wills and, and you're, you're in Makai Becton and Tristan Wirfs, they, they all happen to be hitting like the top tackles. There were supposed to be four great tackles. Three of them look amazing. One of them is getting Danny Dimes killed. 
Yeah, and you don't have tackles that like, oh, in year four, this first round tackle evolves into a functional tackle. Ooh, I got of, one like, for you though. DJ just DJ just brought up Garrett Bowles, who we've kind of killed for two years. Well, that's true. And he's been incredible this year for the Broncos. But I would look at like you look at the Joe Thomases and the Mackay Beckton's. It's like you kind of know right. right away that they're your functional starters. I'll tell you one reason you're not going to get a Daniel Jones uh, 70 yard scamper that ends up in dirt. I'll tell you right now, Devin White, I, I thought the game he played last week was amazing. And there's a couple things he does athletically, closing speed to blow up guys in the backfield from like 18 yards away. There aren't that many players that can do that. And so there's this defense is just so uh, functional and they're, and they're studious. And they're kind of remind me of the offense kind of growing each week. And think about the butterfly effect, just circling back to uh, Tom Brady before we um, close things out. Think back to about entering week 16 of last year. The Patriots with with Brady were steaming towards another um, playoff by and obviously the AFC East title over in Tampa. Jameis Winston had been up and down as he always is, but it was up enough where I remember Bruce Arians. Clearly remember Arians or there being a report out there entering week 16. I think it was ahead of a Saturday football uh, week, week 16 game for the Bucs, you know, He's not going anywhere. Winston's still the guy. Then Winston totally bombs out in that Saturday game, bombs out again in week 17 with the pick six to end the season, and all of a sudden they sour on him finally. Meanwhile, with the Patriots, they lose week 17 to the Dolphins, lose the bye, then go to uh, lose the game to the Titans, and that sours the situation in New England and Mm. paves the way for the divorce of the Patriots and Brady. All these things had to conspire together to get Tom Brady now in Tampa with the best offensive line in football, with all these skilled players, with Bruce Arians. (laughs) Butterfly effect, man. I've got got an addition for you on this one, too. The Raiders. John, you know, the Bucs did it to you again, John Gruden. If Jameis Winston hadn't played that well, Tom Brady's leaving New England uh, no matter what. I'm con- I'm 100% convinced in that Keep right telling now. yourself. He'd be, a, he'd be a Las Vegas Raider. The Raiders right. would be lighting it up with Tom Brady. That's what, I, <laughs> that's what I bet. All right. Good stuff. Good stuff. We'll, uh, we'll be back on Sunday night to recap every game we just broke down. And, yes, if you catch this um, during the weekend or – um, a little later, just know that the Thursday night recap also up where we go to go over uh, Panthers and the Fal- Falcons. Okay, there we go. Got it out. This is Dan Hansen signing off for uh, the old boss, the quiet storm, Daniel Jeremiah. Thank you, buddy, for stopping by. Till Sunday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. 
So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand. It's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at ZeroFoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products. It's about the ethos that we embody. Rugged, resilient, and timeless. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. Com slash compatibility.